hope. But we all know, we Christians, we know where the true hope comes from. That is the hope that is in Jesus Christ. And that's where all our hope stands. Will you stand with us and let's sing. Johnny's going to help us out by singing all my hope.
Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Welcome to First Baptist Church. We're glad you're here today as we gather in the name of Jesus. Uh, this is a, a good day for us. We start phase two of our reopening, and that means that adult and student connection groups that uh, want to meet and can socially distance are able to do so. And so we have oh, 11 or 12 groups meeting today. Others continue to meet by Zoom or whatever. That's great. But for those who want to meet, we're glad that we had at 8.30 some groups meeting, groups meeting at 9.45. When your group gets ready to meet, you'll call or email or text Cindy. She'll set you up with a place where you can socially distance as we began to do that. And then the next phase will be to get kids going, and we look forward to that in the, in the future, in your future as well. But uh, we're glad to be where we are uh, in this uh, process. And uh, just want to remind you of our Wednesday night service at 6 o'clock. Students are meeting in the gym. And then at 6.15, families, adults, kids, we had a lot of kids last Wednesday night, had over 100 people uh, last Wednesday in the back parking lot. And so at 6.15 in the rear parking lot, uh, we have worship, we have, we're studying the book of Joel together, bring a lawn chair. So we had some folks that hadn't yet come into the building that were comfortable being outside last week. Hope you'll uh, join us uh, for that time. That's a good time. So we'll do it rain or shine if it's raining. We'll be back in the, the building, but we had a great week last week. Uh, a week from Wednesday, we're going to have Crazy Daisy's food truck there. It won't be hardly as good as our Wednesday night suppers, but it'll be close. And so if you want to get your supper, or we'll have ice cream on the food truck. and So that'll be in our back parking lot as well a week from Wednesday. So I invite you to join us on these Wednesdays in June for outdoor service. I want to share with you and encourage you to come Saturday, this Saturday, the 13th, we have a prospective discipleship pastor uh, coming uh, in our church next weekend. So this will be the person called to take Cindy's role as she has, uh, is retiring. And so this will be your chance to meet him on uh, Saturday at 2 in the afternoon in the gym. It will be a meeting for all connection group leaders of any age group and uh, all deacon council members. So if you'd come at 2, he's going to speak briefly, just share, share with you his vision then, and uh, then you'll have a chance to meet him 101. And then from 3.30 to 5 is a drop-in for any church members. Uh, so anytime during that time, you can come to the gym. Uh, there'll be refreshments or fellowship. But if you don't want to take anything, you don't have to touch anything. Be a touchless receiving line. So I'm, I'm hoping you will come because I hate to bring this person here and nobody shows up and that's not going to be good. So if you will, get out of your comfort zone a little bit and come wear a mask, whatever you need to do, and, and come meet uh, uh, him and his family, his teenage kids. And we will be sharing in our newsletter uh, this week, a biographical sketch and picture. We sort of held off doing that as he's sharing with his church. In fact, today is his 20th anniversary at his church, and it's another church in Tennessee. Uh, been there, came when he was 27, been there 20 years. And so anyway, uh, we, we held off till tomorrow doing that. You can read our newsletter this week all about it, and then come meet him this Saturday. Then Sunday, he'll be sharing a brief testimony in our worship services, and we'll vote at the end of that service. If you're a church member, if you will, take a bulletin next week because there'll be a ballot uh, in your bulletin, and we'll vote at the end of those services. So appreciate uh, you sharing uh, in that process. Now, finally, today, I want to share with you an update on our finish line. 
this is the two-year anniversary of Finish Line. Now, Finish Line is our three-year program where our church members committed to give above their regular tithes and offerings to help us pay off our debt on our new buildings and to develop new parking, last part of our construction phases. And so um, we committed uh, beginning of the first Sunday in June in 2018, um, committed uh, $536,000. And so I want to share with you, we're two-thirds of the way through. If uh, we were on pace, we would have $357,000. Let's see where, how much has been given after two years. $412,000, way above pace. We praise God. Thank you for your, your giving. Uh, another way that we want to report this as we get near the end is not only how much have we given, but how much do we have left to pay on our loan. That's the first priority of our finish line. And so... I. Uh, I shared with you at the year and a half mark, at the end of February, pretty close to the end of the year and a half mark, I shared we had just crashed through the $400,000 barrier. Show you what the report I gave you. Uh, next slide shows the report I gave you in February. End of February, we had left to pay. This is how much we had left to pay. We'd just broken through that $400,000 mark. We had left to pay $394,000. So now, at the two-year mark, let's see how much we have left to pay now. <laughs> hey! Did you hear that crashing sound as we crashed through another one of those $100,000 barriers? So now we're under $300,000. We just have $298,000 left to pay. Do you know what comes after the twos? ones. Do you know what comes after ones? Zeros. So we're, we're getting there quickly and we just want to give all glory to God and thank you for your generous giving uh, to finish line above our regular tithes and offerings. Uh, we'll soon be have that paid off and be able to concentrate on our parking and we'll be done. We, we are so excited about that. Thank you for your giving. We just give glory to God. Well, let's worship Jesus. These are uncertain times, right? Amen. Amen. Uncertain times, right? Sort of strange times we live in in a lot of ways. A lot of chaos, a lot of confusion. Jesus is on his throne. He rules. He's coming again. He's sovereign over this whole world. He's got it. We give him praise. Let's worship him together. Will you stand with us? And let's sing this great hymn, Savior Like a Shepherd Lead Us.
So he doesn't just make the way, he goes with us, just like a good shepherd. Let's sing this great song here. You are a way maker, miracle. 
shepherd who takes us along the way, who doesn't just leave us, doesn't just point us in a direction and say go, but you say, come on, let's go together. That's a wonderful thing, Lord, to know that we have you leading us all the way, sometimes carrying us, carrying us through troubles like cancer, troubles like depression, and through times like this crazy pandemic. We can let go of fear, and we can trust in you, Waymaker. Oh, Lord, thank you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. How do you interpret the circumstances, the events of your life? Do you believe in coincidence? you think things just happen sometimes by coincidence? You believe in luck? Think believe in good luck, bad luck? Some days are lucky, some days aren't lucky. Do you believe in superstition? Do you believe there is some connection and it's sort of a superstitious kind of thing? A lot of people are superstitious. Baseball players are among the most superstitious 
group of people I know, at least on the major league level. Do you remember baseball? You remember we used to have baseball in America? You remember there were these teams called the Braves and the Reds? And you remember that? Well, anyway, baseball players are superstitious because they make a connection between some of the coincidences that happen and they're trying to always do better. Like, for example, some of many baseball players won't step on the foul line as they take the field or leave the field. That might be bad luck. And they have something happen in their, in their uh, games and they make a connection with it. Mark Teixeira, who used to be a, a first baseman for the Braves for a while, uh, he couldn't find his matching socks before one game, had to borrow a sock from another player, had mismatched socks on, went four for four, wore mismatched socks for years after that because he, he wanted to capture that. Larry Walker, one of the most uh, superstitious players that I know of in the major leagues, great player for a long time, and he was superstitious about the number three. Everything had to be in threes. He wore the number three. He would always take three practice swings, never two, never four. Uh, he would always get up, set his alarm at whatever the hour was, 33, 6, 33, 7, 30. He always had to be 33 when he got up on the alarm clock. He got married on November the 3rd at 3.33 p.m. You know, he just really into the... So are you superstitious? you believe in luck? Uh, 2019, uh, beginning of 2019, you know you, how you start a new year and you pray and hope it's going to be a good year, hope this is going to be a, a great year. So January 1st, 2019, I uh, had my iPhone in the pocket of my jeans. I washed them in the laundry and I washed my phone and ruined it. Didn't have insurance on it. That cost me several hundred dollars. Uh, that wasn't a great beginning to 2019. So two days later, January 3rd, 2019, I backed into a car that pulled up behind me here in the parking lot. The first time in my life I'd ever had a, a, a car accident that was my fault. January 3rd, 2019, just smashed into the back of this guy that pulled up behind me. You know, if I would believed in luck, I would have said, man, this is not a good year. Not going to be a good first three days of 2019. Maybe you've sort of felt that about 2020, you know? It's gotten off to a sort of a rough start here, hasn't it, in a lot of ways? But let me tell you something. I don't believe in luck. I don't believe in superstition. I don't believe life is by random chance. Maybe I believe in coincidence a little bit. If three people wear the same color shirt on a day, I don't, ooh, what's the meaning of that? I, you know, I just, it's, but I don't believe too much in coincidence. I believe in a sovereign God who's in control of our lives. And I believe in the providence of God, which is what I'm sharing a series of sermons with you about, which means that God is at work in our lives to bring about our good. The key verse, Romans 8, 28 says, For we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him who are called according to his purpose. That's the providence of God. That God's in control and he's sovereign and bad things can happen, but he chooses how the outcome is. He chooses the effect and he weaves things together for the good of those who follow him. Share a verse with you from Proverbs, a sort of foundational verse today, Proverbs 16, The lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. So the lot cast in the lap, sort of a, a chance thing. We, I think a parallel would be, say, the roll of the dice. 
Even the roll of the dice, the outcome of it comes from the Lord. So life is not about chance. It's not random. It's not meaningless. It's not based on superstition or coincidence. There's a God who controls and guides how our lives go. And that gives us some confidence in uncertain times. It gives us confidence when you start 2019 and you think, oh man, what kind of year is this going to be? No, I know God's in control of my life. It's not chance or, or, or coincidence. Now, if that's true, then to find the will of God, do we just go with whatever comes? Because if the lot's cast into the lap, but every decision comes from the Lord, you just go with whatever comes your way. Are circumstances a reliable guide to the will of God for your life? Since God's controlling everything, the answer is no. Even though God guides our lives, circumstances are not always a guide to his will. I'll share with you a second foundational verse today from Proverbs 20, 24. A person's steps are directed by the Lord. How then can anyone understand their own way? So what they're saying is, yes, God's in control, but when we're in the midst of it, there is some mystery about it. It's not always clear. You don't always see how things fit together when you're in the midst of them. How can anyone understand his own way? There's some uncertainty in our decision-making, isn't there? There's uncertainty sometimes when we don't know what is going to be the good outcome of how this fits together. And so we have to wrestle with some decisions, and circumstances alone are not an infallible indicator of God's will. Let me tell you a Bible story that if you're not following me yet, hopefully it'll bring this together a little bit. It's the story of David when he was being pursued by Saul. You see, Saul was the king of Israel, but God had rejected Saul. He had told Saul his kingship would come to an end because Saul had disobeyed God's command. And so God had sent the prophet Samuel to anoint the young teenager David to be the future king of Israel. Now, David, during this time, became a loyal subject to Saul, but Saul was jealous of David and finally determined he was going to kill him, and David had to flee. So he and some men that were loyal to him were hunted. They were on the run. They were in hiding from King Saul. So we read in 1 Samuel 24 is our passage. If you want to follow him in your Bible or on the screen, 1 Samuel 24, 1. After Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, he was told, David is in the desert of En Gedi. So David's hiding. I've been to En Gedi. It is a, an oasis, a strong spring at the shore of the Dead Sea in the desert. And so there's a water supply, and around it are all these cliffs with nooks and crannies and all these caves, okay? So David and his men are in hiding in the caves around the spring of En Gedi. Verse 2, so Saul took 3,000 able young men from all Israel and set out to look for David and his men near the crags of the wild goats. And verse 3 says, he came to the sheep pens along the way, and a cave was there, and Saul went in to relieve himself. So Saul goes into a cave to use the bathroom. Now, it says in the latter part of verse 3, David and his men were far back in the cave. What a coincidence that the very cave that Saul chooses to go to the bathroom in is the very cave that David and his men are hiding in. What a stroke of luck, right? But David's men didn't interpret it as luck or coincidence. They believed that this was God's doing. And so his men, verse 4, who were there with him hiding in the cave, the men said, 
this is the day the Lord has spoken of when he said to you, I'll give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. And so his, David's men say, this can't be a coincidence that he just happens to come into this cave. And I'm not going to reenact this, but I hope you can sort of in your mind visualize. I think Saul is in a squatting position here, relieving himself, a vulnerable position. David is behind him with all of his men, and they're saying, this is it. This couldn't be a coincidence. God has put him in this circumstance for you to kill him. He's already anointed you to be king. We won't have to hide in caves anymore. We can come out in the open. Go up there and cut his throat. David is not sure. He creeps up behind Saul with a dagger in his hand or a knife. But he can't bring himself to kill Saul. And so he reaches down and cuts off the corner of his robe It says in the latter part of verse 4, Then David crept up unnoticed and cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Afterward, verse 5, David was conscience-stricken for having cut off a corner of his robe. So after it happened, he regretted even doing that. And so he said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lay my hand on him. For he's the anointed of the Lord. With these words, David sharply rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul. And Saul left the cave and went his way. And so after Saul had gotten a little distance out from the mouth of the cave, David comes out in the open. And it says in verse 8, David went out of the cave and called out to Saul, My Lord, the king! And when Saul looked behind him, David bowed down and prostrated himself with his face to the ground. He said to Saul, Why do you listen when men say David is bent on harming you? This day you've seen with your own eyes how the Lord delivered you into my hands in the cave. Some urged me to kill you, but I spared you. I said I will not lay my hand on my Lord because he's the Lord's anointed. And David held up the piece of the robe that he had cut off from Saul. And Saul must have looked around and and saw that indeed David had been right behind him and had cut off a piece of the robe. And Saul responds, I'll read just a couple of verses, verse 16 and 17. When David finished saying this, Saul asked, Is that your voice, David, my son? And he wept aloud. You're more righteous than I, he said. You've treated me well, but I've treated you badly. And Saul went on to promise David that he would pursue him no longer and would not try to kill him, a promise that Saul would soon break. So David's men took a circumstantial view of the will of God. This can't be a coincidence. The circumstances have fit together perfectly. What God intends is for you to kill him. But David took a different view. Uh, so the circumstantial view is not always the way to discern that God's will. Yes, God's guiding all of our lives, but that doesn't mean every thing that happens, this is what God wants you to do. What then was God's purpose, if it wasn't a coincidence, what was God's purpose in having Saul go to the exact cave that David was in? I don't know. Remember our verse said, who can understand his way? Maybe it was to test David. Maybe it was to strengthen David's faith. I don't know exactly what the purpose was, but we can learn some things here about the will of God and how it relates to the providence of God. I want to suggest five things to you that I think we can learn from this episode. Number one, God's will is not always the easy choice. God's will is not always the easy choice. The easy choice for David here would have been to kill Saul. 
His problems would have been over. He'd have been king. The opportunity was so easy. Anybody could have done it. But David determined that God's will was not the easy choice. Maybe you're in a situation and the easy choice is not God's will for you. It may be that you're in a a marriage relationship that's difficult and the easy thing for you to do would be to walk away from it. But maybe that's not God's will. God may want you to do some things that are hard things to do. Maybe God's will for you in this current climate in our nation is to try to befriend a person of another race or try to listen to the concerns of a person of another race and try to understand them when the easy thing from where you and I probably come from is to probably condemn some things and be against some things. And maybe God wants us to do the hard thing of loving people who are different from us and understanding people who are different from us and trying to befriend people who are different from us and be a force of love. God's will is not always the easy choice. Another way of saying it, let me say you a second thing. God's will is not always the open door. God's will is not always the open door. The open door for David was to kill Saul. And so some, uh, one view of following God's will because of his providence is, well, you just walk through open doors and you stop at closed doors. And that sounds pretty logical, doesn't it? Well, God's in control of all the circumstances, so I've been praying about a job, and this job came open, so this must be the job for me. Or I've been praying about a relationship, I want to get married, and I'm not dating anybody, so I prayed, and then somebody at work uh, said something to me, so this must be the person for me, because here's the open door. That sounds logical, but God's will is not always the open door. Some open doors are doors to temptation and sin. And some closed doors are closed by Satan. And sometimes what God wants you to do is to keep on knocking on a closed door. He said, Jesus said, keep on asking and it will be given to you. Keep on knocking and it will be opened. Sometimes God, open doors are not the right will for you. Well, how do you know? I'm saying there's some mystery there. Sometimes open doors are. Sometimes you've been praying about something and opportunity comes. And it is God's will. But I'm saying it's not automatically the case share with you another thing that we learn here, that God's will is not always what friends say. God's will is not always what friends say. David's friends urged him to kill Saul. Now the Bible says in a multitude of counselors there is wisdom. So it is good to get the opinions of others when you're making a decision. There is wisdom in being humble enough to listen to input from godly and wise people. And that's generally a good rule. But sometimes you have to go against what the people around you are saying. Sometimes you have to stand alone. And this was a time when David was getting the counsel from very loyal people who loved him and would fight battles for him and would serve him well throughout his life. But at this occasion, their advice, he felt, was not God's will. And he had to go against it and be the only one to say, no, this is not the case. Let me share with you a fourth thing. God's will is sometimes to do nothing. That may sound odd. God's will is sometimes to wait and to trust Him and to do nothing. That was God's will here, David believed. His men urged him, do something, take action, seize the day, seize the moment. 
And he waited and trust God until God would take care of Saul. Do you remember the story of Abraham and Sarah? And God told them in their old age, you'll have a son, an heir, you'll have a lineage. And they were getting old and Sarah said, we've got to do something. And she did the wrong thing. She gave her handmaid to Abram and fathered a child by her and felt like that would be God. You know, God needs a little help here. God says he's going to do this. I'm going to have to help him out a little bit. And you know what God's will for her to do? Was there nothing? God's will was to wait and to trust him. The very reason that Saul is being rejected as king, at least one reason, was that Samuel said, when I come, I'll offer sacrifice before the battle. Saul got tired of waiting for him and offered the sacrifice himself. And Samuel came and said, why didn't you wait? You're disobedient to the Lord. And the kingdom was taken from him. You know what God's will for Saul was? To do nothing. Sometimes in your life, it's to wait on the Lord, not run ahead of him. Not always. Sometimes God doesn't want you to be passive. Sometimes you need to do something. How do you know? Do you see that there's some mystery here? Let me share with you one way that you can know. This fifth thing, a positive one. God's will never contradicts his word. God's will never contradicts his word. So David felt like that the opportunity before him did not outweigh the command of God not to strike the Lord's anointed. God's word to him of not murdering outweighed the convenience of the situation. And there'll be times in your life when you're tempted to cut corners in business or get in a relationship you shouldn't. But you know, I know God said this, but you know, it's just when my circumstance is here, the best thing for us to do is to live together. The best, the easy thing for me to do in my business is to, I, I know it's probably not the best practice, business practice, but you're going to be tempted to justify, to rationalize. God's will never contradicts His Word. Circumstances never circumvent the revealed Word of God. Don't compromise there. I'm saying to you that uh, the circumstances sometimes show us God's will? Yeah, sometimes. Are open doors sometimes God's will? Yeah. Is the easy way sometimes God's will? Yeah. Is the counsel of friends sometimes God's will? Yeah. Always? No. Lord, let me read you these two verses again in just a moment. Let me, let me tell you first, though, a story. I'll close with a story from... Uh, a modern story that I think has some parallels to the principles I've been trying to share here. It's a story told by Ravi Zacharias. Ravi Zacharias died two weeks ago. His funeral was last week, and uh, he was one of the great Christian apologists and writers. And he, in his writings, tells a story of a man in Vietnam during the Vietnam War named Hein Pham. And Hein was a translator for American military during the Vietnam War, and when Vietnam fell, he was arrested and imprisoned for his collaboration with the Americans. And during his imprisonment, he was indoctrinated in Marxism. He was, had to listen to things and read things and hear things that denied the existence of God, and he began to doubt, maybe, maybe my beliefs were wrong. Maybe there isn't a God. Maybe as a Christian, I have missed the mark. Maybe Marxism is the truth. And he was in a time of doubting, he said. And then in the providence of God, he was assigned to clean the latrines in the prison. You see, there's a bathroom connection between the story of David here. 
a job that nobody wanted, of course. And, uh, uh, you know, in, in some countries, if you've traveled, you don't, uh, bathroom story, but anyway, in some countries, you don't put your toilet paper in the commode. You have to put it in a trash can. You know that? A lot of countries, that's the truth. So he's cleaning out the trash cans where the used toilet paper is, and he saw a piece that had English writing on it, and he cleaned it off. He hadn't seen English in, in a long, long time. Cleaned it off quickly, put it in his pocket. That night he read it, and it was a page of a Bible that somebody had used for toilet paper, and the passage on that page was Romans eight twenty-eight through 39, which says... We know that in all things God works for good, or those who love him are called according to his purpose. It says later in that passage, he who has not given us his son, will he not give us all things that we need? It says later in that passage, what can separate us from the love of God? Neither life nor death nor anything else. And his faith was renewed, and he kept volunteering to clean the latrines. And every night, he found another page of the Bible. Somebody in the camp was using a Bible for toilet paper, and he would clean those pages off, and he assembled much of the New Testament. His faith was strengthened. In the providence of God, he was eventually released from prison. And he began to work to escape Vietnam. He built a boat a boat that would hold a large number of people and 53 other people were planning to leave Vietnam with him. When the boat was almost completed, there was a knock at his door there just before they were to leave and four Viet Cong soldiers came and said, we have heard reports that you are planning an escape. Is that true? And he lied and said, no, it's not true. Convinced them and they left. And afterward, just as with David, his conscience was stricken. He said, you know, I I should have trusted God. I I lied to them. It shows my lack of faith in a God who can take care of me. And he regretted that. Later that day, they came back again. Same four Viet Cong soldiers said, we continue to hear reports that you are planning to leave our country with a group of people. Is that true? And he said, Yes, it's true. Am I going back to prison? And they said, no, we want to go with you. That's why we're trying to find out. These four went with the 53 others and himself, and they encountered a terrible storm. And he found out, he said, that the four Viet Cong soldiers were Viet Cong sailors. And he said, if we had not had those sailors on board, we would never have made the journey. They expertly navigated the boat, got all 58 people safely. Hein is a businessman in America today. That's the providence of God. It doesn't relieve all of our decision making, does it? David wrestled with with what to do in the cave. Hein wrestled with what he should do. Let me read you these two verses one more time. Proverbs 16, the lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. Don't live your life by superstition or by luck or believing that there is no meaning. There is a God who is in control, and he can determine the outcome even of the roll of a dice. Read you that last verse, Proverbs 20, 24. A person's steps are directed by the Lord. How then can anyone understand their way? It's not always going to be easy to know the will of God. You're going to have to wrestle with some things like these guys did. There's a mystery about it. God's in control, but when we're in the midst of it, like David was in the cave, like like Hine was standing there at that door, we don't always know what to do. We know that God's will will never contradict His word. 
And we seek wise counsel and we, we consider circumstances, but we wrestle with faith in God that we will do the right thing, knowing that in the end, God guides our steps. Would you pray together with me? Oh God, I pray for those before me who are listening to your word. I pray now your spirit will bring it to application in their lives. And if there are those of us who, Lord, have maybe taken the easy route when we should not have, if there are those of us who have contradicted your clear teaching of your word, oh God, help us to follow you. Oh God, direct our steps. Help us in these days to live with faith and with confidence, I pray. Amen. Our invitation looks a little different in this time. Uh, We're not having a come forward invitation. I'll be in the uh, library, straight that way. Jake is in the parlor. And uh, invite you to come by if you want to accept Christ as Savior. You can join our church. We had somebody last week do that. Uh, you can, we'll be glad to pray with you. Uh, so if you want to talk to someone, we'd be glad to do that. It would be available. Todd. Will you stand with us? You know, we, abung- we am- above all people should be a people of joy. Because we do have hope. Let's sing together. Actually, I guess I should wait for my singers. Especially since Amy's singing the the lead on this. Here we go. Here we go. Ready? Joy of the Lord.
joy of the Lord is my strength. Why don't you all have a seat just for a second as we finish up here? continue to move out of the building, especially as we want to talk and congregate with our friends, just so we have another group coming in so we can practice safe social distancing guidelines. Um, a few. Sorry. <laughs> just want to be a blessing. I'm just, you know, trying to help you out here. Okay. Just carry okay. on. Um, <laughs> um, so a few. Uh, <laughs> you got me all kinds of distracted right now. Okay. Um, <laughs> so if you need if you want to come to worship next week, um, registration is already open. Remember, you have to register each week, um, and we're going to be doing that at least through June, the end of June. Um, Wednesday nights, we're going to have worship on Wednesday nights, students at 6 and um, 6.15 in the back parking lot. It was a lot of fun this past week, so I hope you can join us this week. Um, the candidate for discipleship pastor, there's a meet and greet next Saturday, so look for more information on that. And if you have kids, the hope is that we get to return on July 12th. My fingers are crossed. I'm praying and all that. But you know how the world has been going right now that we don't always get what we want. Um, so we know that God's in control. But parents and those who are teachers continue to look in your emails for more information and things that are going to be coming out in the next few weeks about that. So let's pray together. And after that, you're dismissed. Um, God, thank you so much for um, a wonderful service and just um, being able to be encouraged about your plans for our lives, Lord. As in our world, everything is so confusing right now, and we are um, just wondering what you're doing. Um, we know that you are leading our steps, and you are in control, um, and you are sovereign through everything. So I pray that as we go throughout this week, we can just remember you and look for your um your hand in everything that we do. It's in your heavenly name I pray. Amen.